Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight we've got Anthony, Liam and Sean. How are you all going boys? Going pretty well, yeah. Just got my, finally got all three Celtic tops in stock at the same time in my size. So got them just arrived in the post today. Awesome. How are you Liam? Yep, all good. Uh, got my Buckfast ready for the weekend. Got my, new, got my new third kit arrived the other day. Yep, all good. Yep. <laughs> How are you going, Anthony? Yeah, really good, guys, and it's great to be back. Um, really excited about the game on Saturday night in Australia. That's where we'll be watching it from, and um, yeah, I can't wait to start talking about it. Yeah, it's going to be a game from my couch CSC, that's what I'm calling it. It's going to be uh, beers and football, and hopefully the result goes our way. So, yeah, looking forward to it. What we'll do is, as usual, we'll just do the go through the usual things we do at the start. So we've got our social media channels, give them all a follow. So Celtic Down Under on Facebook, there's a group and a page there on Instagram and Twitter. Celtic Down is the code for both the Instagram and Twitter. Give them a follow. Uh, also, if you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We'd like to uh, get as many subscribers as possible because it's always great for us to uh know that we've got regular listeners out there. So what we'll do is we'll jump straight into the international break, the international duty, and the Celtic team and players who are on international duty. Now, we all know the, the bad news that's happened during the week with um, Bitton and El Hamed are both tested positive for COVID and will miss the Rangers game. We also have Christie in isolation due to Stuart Armstrong having a positive test and being in close contact and Edward that we discussed last week. So Sean, I'll jump over to you so you can uh, go through the international games. Yeah. Uh, I'm slightly behind on updating it. I didn't quite get all of last night's results, uh, but we had quite a lot of players away. Uh, Ryan Christie traveled away and obviously didn't play a single minute. So he's getting a nice rest. Uh, Celtic have sent a treadmill to his house uh, to keep him up to date. Uh, Callum McGregor played uh, the majority of Scotland's games, who were relatively successful. Uh, but McGregor himself has not been getting much praise for his performances. Uh, from what I've heard, he's been getting a bit of a hard time for it. Uh, given that it's a Steve Clark system, I don't think that's very fair criticism. Uh, you know, you know what a Steve Clark kind of did. He's basically played... 230 minutes of football. So that's a fair amount in one week. Uh, Greg Taylor didn't feature in the first two games, but he played 79 minutes last night. Uh, Barkas has been away with Greece. Uh, he's an unused sub. Ayer has played basically every minute for Norway, who had a pretty poor result against Serbia and got knocked out of the qualifiers. For the U, the Nations League, or sorry, the Europa European qualifier. Uh, El Yunusi came on as a sub uh, in the first game for Norway, uh, and then he played more or less the full second game and third game. Uh, he didn't get any goals, but he did get a yellow card. So not too much success so far. Shane Duffy had a bit better luck with it with Ireland. Uh, he he's basically played every minute. And he had to actually go into isolation because there was a COVID scare in the squad. Six players, I think, tested. Uh, but he's also played 
basically every minute. Uh, so I'm just double checking he played the full amount last night. Yep, so he's played 300 minutes of football this week, Shane Duffy. Uh, he's only conceded one goal in those three games. Uh, he's cleared one off the line, had a couple of yellow cards. Uh, <coughs> so he's done, done not too bad. Uh, near Bitton, played 120 minutes for, against Scotland, as did Elhamid. They both then caught COVID and are out. Uh, but they did play pretty well against Scotland. After that, we've got a whole list of under-21s that I'm not really going to go into. We had Kamala, who played once. Edwards, who didn't play. Turnbull, who played uh, an hour for Scotland under-21s and scored a goal. Connor Hazard played twice for the Northern Ireland under-21s. Ross Doohan played twice for Scotland under-21s and kept two clean sheets. Kerr McEnroy uh, played 19 minutes for Scotland under-21s, didn't do anything. Leo Connor and Jonathan Afalabi both featured for Ireland under-21s, uh, and that pretty much sums it up. All right, so first thing to touch on from all of that is the Scotland result. Liam, we're talking before the podcast about um, you got up and watched the game this morning. So do you want to have a little tell us, the listeners, what you were telling us before the, the podcast started recording? Yeah, um, I was quite pleasantly surprised at Scotland's overall performance. It was a backs-to-the-wall one, you know, particularly in the second half. But, you know, the Czech Republic are no mugs and we, we were worthy of the win when we beat them, I think. I think it was quite a... Good game to watch. I think from a from a Celtic point of view, um, you know, McGregor played reasonably well. Um, Taylor did well. Uh, you know, I just think it was a good all round team performance. And um, I was just <laughs> bizarrely enough, as as pish as Scotland have been recently, we're we're now one game away from the Euros and actually looking pretty good for possibly a playoff for the next World Cup as well. Yeah, it's good to see Scotland doing well, especially considering there's no blue nose guy coaching who got a job he shouldn't have got like last time around. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I want to see Scotland do well and I'd love to see him in the Euros, but I think coming up against Serbia, especially with my in-laws, if they listen into this, I will be on the Serbian side of it personally, but otherwise I will uh, never hear the end of it. But yeah, I just reckon... It's good to see Scotland doing well and Taylor playing in a Steve Clark coach team. No surprise there that he does a job well in that system as well. I watched the highlights of the Serbia-Norway game and uh, based on the highlights, Serbia absolutely spanked them. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the goal, but if you get a chance, you should watch the second Serbia goal. It's one each, game's on the line, extra time, and the guy chips the goalkeeper and defender on the line. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the thing with Serbia is they won their, um, I think it was the Under-19 World Cup a few years back over in New Zealand. And I remember watching that with the in-laws and all those guys are starting to establish themselves into the senior team and establish themselves at club level and all that sort of stuff. So to me, it's a good quality team that have played together for years that's now starting to come through there. So it's going to take a, a good team effort from Scotland, but... You know, there are punches chance as the, as the old boxing analogy goes. If you can land the punch, the fight's over. So anyone's a chance when you get out there and start playing. But it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. 
All right, so we'll jump into another topic I wanted to touch on before we get into the weekend's game. Did anyone see Ryan Christie's comments about his contract situation? Yep. Yeah. Your, what was your take on that, Sean? Uh, yeah. It didn't, I couldn't really didn't read too much into it, to be honest. I, I decided for the sake of my mental health to take it at face value and that he's happy and going to think about a contract down the line. Uh, if he's not... If his comments are not honest, then I'll be pretty pissed off and we're gonna lose him. But if he's been if what he's saying is accurate, then it should put out some fears of losing him on a free to rest. Yeah, my take was that they um last time around we signed him with what, like four months to go on got in the current extension with four months to go on his contract, so he doesn't mind playing his contract down low and uh, running it down and then making a decision. So if you take him on face value, fine. But at the same time, how that was said and then reported, it can be interpreted probably in five or six different ways and eat so many different people with a different opinion on it. So I'd love to hear what Liam's thoughts are on it. Well, I just think what you've got to remember is that no matter what a player says, if he's talking to a Scottish journalist, the journalist will put the worst possible spin on it. And I think that's what's happened here. I think Christie has made some pretty offhand, innocuous comments, but the way that he's worded it, he's left the opening for the journalist to go and try and manufacture a narrative that Christie wants away. Yep. Um, and I think that's what we're dealing with here. He's not going to come out and say definitely I'm staying because it would be... It would be contractual Harry Carey to do that. You know, he wants to get the best possible deal that he can. And uh, who could blame him for that, you know? That's all part of the business. Yeah, exactly. If he comes out and says that, that he's definitely away, the fans will turn against him. If he says he's definitely staying, then his agent's not going to be able to give him the best deal because he's got leverage with a contract running down. So what's your take on it, Anthony? Yeah, I agree with what everyone said. Um, I don't really read too much into it. Um, based on him running down his contract um, the last time before he got an extension um, and, you know, the times that we're currently in as well. Um, yeah, he said himself, probably not the right time and the best time to discuss contracts. Yeah, he's leaving himself open and why wouldn't you? Um, you, know, you don't play the game forever. Um, but, you know, there's, there's two players, you know, in the team that get at right now are getting a lot of, exposure and comment on their contract situations, the other being Aya. Now, I'm pretty confident that you know, we'll be able to keep Christie and you know, him being a Scottish international as well. I think Celtic will want to do that and that'll be in the club's and country's best interest. But, you know, let's look at Aya and um, I don't think he'll hang around. And like Neil Lennon said very early on this season, after the, a Champions League exit, when we're in the qualifiers, if anyone doesn't want to be there, they don't have to be. Charlie Adam has came out and said that Chris Iyer is agitating. I don't know how Charlie Adam knows anything about the Celtic team, but he's saying that Iyer and Bitton are agitating. I have to say language warning here. Charlie Adam has no fucking clue. Nah. Just look at him. Like, who at Celtic would be talking to him? Who's his friend in that locker room? 
he's just talking absolute rubbish. He's got no idea and he's trying to stir the pot in this week leading up to the weekend's game against his former club. It's yeah. absolute bollocks what he's talking about here. So I don't care. He's talking shit. Yep. Couldn't right. agree more. Anyone, anyone else got anything to jump in on there or do you want to get into the into the upcoming game against the blue half of Glasgow? Well, there's a, a link to get people stoked up about it. I've just read uh, that... Uh, Nil by mouth, you know, the anti-sectarian charity have yep. come out and condemned uh, a Rangers supporters group because they created a, a pin, you know, like the ones we are selling, except theirs have Jimmy Bell lifting the severed head of Neil Lennon. Sick. Sickening. What are yeah. these people? What are they doing? So I've only just learned about that one, and yeah, it's quite sad. Yeah. I saw that this morning and was just like, what is wrong with people? Yeah. All right. So we're jumping into the game. So on Saturday night, our time, we've got game at home at Celtic Park, not Parkers for all you flogs on, on Twitter, Parkhead or Celtic Park is where the game is. And we're playing, we'll be playing against the scum, the zombies, the Huns, I'll rattle them all off. I don't care on this podcast. The first question I've got for you all, and I'll go to you, Anthony. What is your thought on the Edward situation? He's due back into Scotland the day before the game. Do you think he will play? Do you think he will be on the bench? Or do you think he won't be in the match day squad? Uh, for me, if he's, if he's fit, he plays. Um, who else are we really going to put in there? Ajedi, he's been out, he's been injured. Um, or Griff, you know, we've got Kamara as well, but if Eddie is fit and ready to go, let's throw him in. Um, he's got a fantastic record against the Zombies, and, you know, he scores against him for fun. He's, um, you know, one of the original hunt scalpers, you could say, and, um, you know, his goals to games ratio, okay, against that club is impeccable, and given the opportunity, he'll score again. And what about you, Liam? What's your thought on that? Um, I'm going to slightly disagree. I think if Ajeti is fit, start him ahead of Eddie. Oh, I jumped ahead to my next question, Liam. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying that Edward does not start. I'm saying he's on the bench. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, he's... If you need a goal with like 15 minutes to go, you know? Yeah, the other thing is, if you've only got 45 minutes in your leg, you don't start a game. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Aye. Aye. My question would have been his fitness because he's been in lockdown for 10 days or something like that, plus traveling. How do we know how his fitness is going to be through it all? So, yeah, makes sense that if, if he's going to be in the match day squad, he'd be on the bench. That leads to my next question, was, which you just touched on, Liam, was will a jetty start or will he be on the bench? I think before we answer this, what formation do you think we're going to be playing? Do you think we'll be playing with a 3-5-2 or do you think we're going to be going with a 4-3-3? How do you guys think that's going to go and how that ties into will a jetty start or will be here on the bench? We'll go. We'll start with you again, Anthony. I reckon we might go with a 3-5-1-1. One, one. 
Um, you know, we all know who's going to start. Yo and goals. Um, and you know, in the back line, we'll probably go with Julian Duffy and Ayer. Um, yeah, the midfield will be bulked up. Um, yeah, we'll Leave have... your line up till later, Anthony, because that's later on. We'll touch on that. Oh, perfect. All right, nice. But you reckon we'll have a jetty up up top starting, or do you think he'll be on the bench? I, I, still, I still think um, a jetty will be um, on the bench, and I still think if Eddie's fit, he'll start. What about you, Liam? What's your thoughts? I think Eddie on the bench, uh, a jetty to start, and then it'll be either either El Yunusi or Griffiths partnering him up front. So if Griffiths starts, it'll be the three five two. If El Yunusi starts, it'll be more like a sort of a, a three five one one essentially. Yeah, and what do you think, Sean? My prediction is a Yeti, Edward, and Griffiths all on the bench. Kamala starting. There yep. it is. I wouldn't put it past him. He's a hard bastard in this sort of game. Be good to see him noise some people up. I love it. Like we've started games against them with Lewis Morgan up front, so I don't see Lennon shying away from that decision. Yep. yep. All right. So next one is what's your starting lineup for the game? We'll go to you, Anthony. Okay, so just was touching on that before. So I think we'll all agree that Barkas would be in goals. Julian Duffy and I will you know, form a central defence. Um, overlapping is the wing backs. I think we'll probably have Laxalt and Frimpong. Through the guts, I'm, I'm thinking it'll be Brown, McGregor, Macham. Um, Christie will play between him and the forward. And um, Christie's out. With... Christie's out. Is he definitely out? Or is he just? Yeah, yeah he's out uh, in he's isolation next week. All right. So yeah. All right then. Um, then yeah, Eddie and, and, and Eddie up front. Um, sorry, who was Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you before. Sorry. No, with Alvanusi and probably Eddie up front. That's what I'm thinking. What do you reckon, Liam? Yeah, uh, Barkas and goals. Back three. Duffy, uh, Julian and Ayer. Uh, right mid, Frimpong. Left mid, Laxalt. Centre, Brown, McGregor. And, yeah, probably in Cham. Up front, a jetty, hopefully. And either El Yunusi or Griffiths. And Tom Rogic will be on the bench and he'll come on and score. There you go. Yes. Uh, <laughs> get, get your pen and paper out because this is going to be the starting lineup. Um, no, I, I did. I've been swaying in my head between absolutely 50 50 in my head about whether we're going to flip back to 4 3 3 or stick with 3 5 2. I think if we were playing any other team this weekend, we would switch back to 4-3-3 because uh, with the, with Beton and El Hamid out, it doesn't really lend itself to a 3-5-2. But the 4-3-3 just failed so spectacularly in the last two games against them that, and you know, also changing it after playing six games or whatever in a row is not an ideal situation. So I do think for that reason, we'll stick with 3-5-2 and put the square peg of Julian into the round hole of right centre-back. Uh, or maybe Duffy, but one way or the other. So I do agree with you guys on term, in terms of Barkas, Julian, Ayer, and Duffy. And I'd also agree with the three in the centre, uh, McGregor, Brown, and then Cham. I don't see them 
playing Turnbull or Rogic ahead of Encham because I think you need that bit of extra strength against uh, Sevco. I also agree with Frimpong at right wing back, but I don't agree with Laxalt at left wing back. I think it would be Taylor. Uh, I don't think this is a game to put in someone who doesn't even speak English and who has no match fitness to speak of. Mm-hmm. Uh, up front, I think it will be Klamala for the first hour, and then we'll start bringing on the you know Griffiths and Edward or a Yeti, whatever two of those three, and I think El Yunusi will partner Klamala up front. So mark it down, guys. That is the starting lineup. I have a question on what you just said there, Sean. Yep. You're saying that if we're playing any other team, we'd go to a four-three-three. But who exactly. would play as a right back if that was the case? Because no Iyer. Forrest. Sorry, it's a good question. Ayer, Ayer is the answer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You'd have to put him out of position. So that was my question on that. So for me, it'll be a three-five-two. Yep. Um, how I'd be playing is Barkas in goal. I'd have Julian, Ayer, and Duffy in the back. On the right wing, I'd have right wing back, you'd have Frimpong at left. I agree with you, Sean. It'll be Taylor. I don't think Lennon will play Laxold in the debut there. He'll bring him on later in the game if need be. Um, in the midfield, yep, agree with the rest of you. with Bruni, Cal Mack, and Cham up front, though. This is what I'm thinking. Like they said earlier in the week, their idiot assistant manager was a Beal come out and said, Lenny doesn't know anything tactically. Yeah, they yeah. like to hit. They like to go on the counter attack. So I think we'll still play the two, but the surprise will be Edward and Ajedi will both be on the bench. We will start Griff with Klamala alongside him for the speed, so that when they try to counter attack us, look at the speed to counter them straight back. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. I didn't think of that, but that's genius. We'll take their best punch and then we'll speed go back at them. If we go to a corner, you've got Griff to put your cor- your crosses in and your corners in, and then you've got your big guys like Duffy and Julian for the corner. So we don't need a big striker. The midfield's where we need to pack it up and get really aggressive with the guys we've got there. But I think we need the the speed guys up front. I'd love to have Griff and Kamala up front, two players running the channels, because if you've got two players. Sitting in, so if you play one striker, he's in between the two centre backs, right? And the, the two yeah. centre backs chop and change. If you're playing two strikers, then he, they're in between the centre backs and the full backs. And that, if their full backs start bombing forward, which they, they do, then that leaves us with a one on one on one of the sides or both. And, yeah, and Goldson is prone to just hack guys and cut guys down and, yeah, or you know, foul guys and give a lot of free kicks. So, and if Holanda has to play, play, he does the same thing. Oh, he's so, a here. And, and if they put the other bloke in, um, what's it, Bellagan or whatever it is at the centre-back, he won't be able to go with him fast enough and he's injury-prone, so he'll probably do a hammy or something. So I like the look of that that sort of setup and go at them. Two up front, playing with pace. And it also means and Cham's got so much time in the middle there to spray passes through. Yeah, and look, even if, uh, even if they do handle... Our third and fourth choice striker, uh, even if they do handle them for an hour, we're then bringing on Edward and Ayeti against tired legs. Exactly. Watch that explode. Watch the game come to life then. All right. So something I just mentioned about Cold, Connor Goldson and how much of a hack merchant he is and fouls the referee, John Beaton. 
Willie stitches up. Anthony, what's your take on that? Oh, look, um, I think he's learned his lesson. Um, beating Schmeaton, you know, who the fuck knows what he's really going to do. Um, I'd rather him than Dallas, though. Um, will he stitch us up? No, probably not. Um, I think the last outing wasn't all that bad. Um, you know, yeah, um, no, I don't think he will. I think, yeah, the game's too much in the public eye. He knows what he'd done last time going to the Rangers bars and that after the game and celebrating with them and having drinks with their supporters. You know, this is his gig now. Um, this is his bread and butter. And um, as bad as he was that time, um, I think he learned his lesson. Um, you know, if you read all the articles, you know, the abuse and everything that he changed, he received from that last game um, changed his life. So I don't think he'll do that again. What's your take, Liam? Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Um, but I still think it's rank incompetence for the SFA to even give a guy who's that compromised this game. Because not only does it leave it open to allegations of corruption, but it also it's putting him in a horrible position. Because he's gonna have he's gonna get a level of scrutiny that no other referee in that position would get because it's just, it's just assumed he's going to give Rangers a penalty or something at some point, you know? And if he does that, then it's like the media and everyone blows up. That was expected. He's a Rangers fan. If he doesn't do it and gives us some, the same, if he gives us a penalty, oh, that's him trying to make it up. So he's in a no-win situation. Exactly. Double-edged sword. Exactly. What do you reckon, Sean? I I just, I don't like the guy's face. I know that sounds awful, but he's just got (laughs) one of those... Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say that, but like, he's just got one of those faces. I, I I just get the impression from what I've seen of him that like he's the sort of person like you talk to for thirty seconds at the bar and then make your excuse to go away. Do you know what I mean? Like friend of a friend, but you know I know him kind of thing. So yeah, I just don't like the look of him on top of all the other stuff. And I've made my feelings clear in other podcasts about unconscious bias and. Like unconscious bias is a thing, and whether we've got John Beaton or any of the other referees that are all unconsciously biased towards Rangers, uh, that's still going to be a factor. So it's uh, in that case, it's much of a muchness, you know. As far as I'm, which referees are there? I think there's maybe two that we believe are Celtic leaning or not Rangers leaning, whatever way you look at it, and the rest are, as far as I know, all. Uh, mark their match number on the, the game card. Yep. You know. So Still what's your... 95% of the bad decisions you see in Scottish football are down to incompetence rather than corruption, though. Yep. Yeah, because you see it in games like Kamarnock versus Motherwell. Do you know what I mean? Like, so at that point, you can't say it's bias. Aye. So what's your score prediction for the game, Anthony? Yeah, um, I think the game's going to be one in midfield. Um and we'll win comfortably 2-0. Um, I don't know if you remember the last time in December 2019, the last time Rangers bet us and won the league at Parkhead. Remember that day, Jared was screaming into the microphones and the cameras? Yep. We got slaughtered in the midfield that day. So I think the game's going to be won in the midfield, and um, I'm confident we can do the trick. How about you, Liam? What's your score prediction? 3-1 to Celtic. But I think they might score first. 
and you. That shouldn't. sounds like a that sounds like a good bet to put on Liam. That's a good uh, some good odds on that one if, if you're betting on going behind and then winning. Uh, Jared, can you say yours first, Jared? I'm still thinking. Yeah, I reckon I was going to say 3-1 as well. I thought we'd score probably in the first 10 minutes, then they'll score, get an equaliser in the by the 20th minute. Um, I was going to say that'll be penalty ranges as usual, and then it'll be really tight, ugly game to watch, and then about the 60th minute onwards, we'll score again, and then Eddie will come off the bench and score the third, and off we go. However, I could make it funny and make it like Jonathan Afalabi will come back from a loan period and score for us just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Because I'm factoring a lot of things into it, like the lack of a crowd, because, you know, so far having no fans has helped helped them this season because they don't get the pressure from their fans that they usually get when they're not doing well. And yeah. it's it worked against us because we usually have, our fans usually have the opposite effect. So this no fans thing has definitely benefited them and I'm worried for it for the rest of the season, to be honest. But I still think without the fans that there's going to lose a bit, of, the players will lose a bit of adrenaline and intensity and I think both teams will keep it tight and yeah, I think it, I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but because I'd like to be top of the table with a game in hand, but honestly, my prediction is 1-1. One, one. All right, and the last thing we'll discuss about games against Rangers. What's your favourite goal, Celtic goal, against them? I put a tweet out a couple of days ago, and we've had, other than the first 150-odd people commenting, saying all of them, <laughs> that the majority has tended to be Larson in the 6-2, Alan Thompson goal, and a bunch of others. So what's your favourite Celtic goal against Rangers, Anthony? All of them. <laughs> I'll uh, go with what everyone's saying, and that was, was going to be one of my answers. But look, um, you know, honourable mentions are going to go to that Larson goal, the six-two-one, um, where you know, he he done he done amazingly well and um, chipped the goalkeeper. There's also the Nakamura strike in 2018 when he received the ball from you know Heed and smacked one past McGregor from 30 yards. Do, do you guys remember that goal? Yep. Yeah. But my favourite—that was, was my guess for Liam's favourite. It is my, my favourite. Uh, it was a some goal, wasn't it? It was some goal. But my favourite was um, in 2004, where we won 1-0, and Chris Sutton won the ball, headed it to Henrik Larsson, got the ball back from Larsson, and pushed off. Um, I think it was De Boer, and yeah, he, he just fell to the ground like he was ice skating and chipped Klaus from about. 20 yards out, we won the game 1 0, where it could have, where the game was looking, it was going to finish 0 0. That's my favourite goal in recent memory. I love that goal. Chris Sutton, May 2004. How about you, Liam? Well, actually, that Chris Sutton goal, I think I've told this story before, but I was standing right in front of the Huns when that happened. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> The look of pure sickness on their faces was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> but oops, some goal, wasn't it? The game as well, from what I remember. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, if, if we're just talking straight up, it's got to be that Nakamura goal. That was just a thing of absolute beauty. Um, because Nakamura had done it so many times against other teams, but there was always that wee nagging, like, oh, he's no scored against Rangers. Bang, there you go. Have that one, boys. <laughs> Get it up, yes. Love it. 
Um, yeah. for um, I was watching some classic games the other night, and one that you know it's never going to go down as a great Celtic goal, but just for pure satisfaction. Uh, in 1991, we beat Rangers 2 nothing on St. Patrick's Day. And the Huns got three players sent off that day. Mark Hately, Terry Hurlock and Mark Walters. And Hurlock was being a, a, a dirty, dirty fucking thug of a man throughout the entire game. And uh, the second goal was a Darius Dovchek three kick that was basically going nowhere. Then it, ha- it hit Hurlock and flew over the, the Rangers keeper's head into the net. So Hurlock near enough scored an own goal. So that was quite... Poetic to watch. <laughs> yeah, there's so many you can mention. There's a Sean Maloney one, which was very similar to Nakamura's. Nah. Uh, the what was it? Mark Wilson in the in the, the cup when he knocked out the Rangers player on the line. Um, the Bruni in the two two game at Ibrox. Um, I actually think Henry Larson scored one that was technically better than the six two goal, but because it was a three three game, it, it's not um uh, one that's brought up too often, the one where he controls it and swivels and I actually heard an interview with Craig Moore recently where he was actually he talked about it independently of anything. Or someone asked him what it was like playing against Larson and he brought up that goal and how good it was. Um but honestly my favourite is probably the Edward one where he scored when we had ten men. And he scored at Ibrox to win three two. Mm. Can, as you guys have said, you can get the the usual Larson goals. There was a, a nice um comment on there. I was just quickly skimming through while we were talking. There was a bunch of people saying about um Terry Butcher's flying header. Nice one, Terry. When he did his own goal, oh, but yeah. for me, the goal is ninety eight Celtic two Rangers nil. Paul Lambert's goal that stopped the 10. Oh. Just because of what it meant for me, that's the goal. Cracking goal. He slammed it in top right-hand corner. Time in that game when Lambert ran to the crowd and gave the 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 table guy his shirt. You remember that? Uh, I don't remember it at all. I don't remember his shirt, no. No, I did it. it, As soon as he took his shirt off and ran up to the disabled supporters section. There was this quite heavily handicapped fell in a wheelchair and Lambert basically just like stuffed his shirt up the guy's jumper so he could take it home with him. No, what a uh, what a man. What about Lustig scoring the fifth? Oh, that was a good one as well. Oh, that hitter. Lustig. <laughs> like, if you're going to rub the salt, like, in terms of rubbing salt into the wound, it can't get any worse than Lustig scoring one, you know? <laughs> Pretty much you can name any Rogic goal as well. Yeah. They're all they're all mentioned for uh, what's the goalie doing, Tom, as well, isn't it? Ah, yeah, Dembele. Yeah. What's the goalie doing, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> assist, assist from Scott Brown. Never gets old. It never gets old. Right, so for about six months. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the one where Dembele put it through the keeper's legs, that was a good one as well. Aye. Last minute. They're all good ones. They're all, they're good, all ones. good ones. Well, they're all good ones when you win. Exactly. Yeah. So what we'll do there is we'll leave it at that point for the game. Fingers crossed uh, results go our way and we get the win. Hoping like hell it happens. Not normally nervous for a game against them, but for once I actually am. So looking forward to it. We're technically favourites, um, not by much though. So we're, we're 2.4. So we're actually odds against to win. Uh, and they're 2.75. So even though we're favourites, it's pretty close. 
in terms of the bookies. All right, so we'll jump into the next topic, which is the Europa League draw, which we were going to do last week, but decided to leave it till this week because there's no games to discuss from last weekend. But then we still filled it with international, so great, great stuff over here at Celtic Down Under. So we'll start off with match day one, 8 p.m. on the 22nd of October, Celtic versus AC Milan. Match day two on the 29th of October, 5.55 p.m., Lille versus Celtic. Match day three, we've got Sparta Prague at 8 p.m. on the 5th of November. Match day four, 26th of November, Sparta Prague versus Celtic, 5.55 p.m. Match day five, 5.55 p.m., AC Milan versus Celtic. And 8 p.m. on the 10th of December, we host Lille for the last group stage game. So we'll go through each of the teams. Done a little, um, got a little bit of research on here for them. But Sean, you put all that information on the uh, on our run sheet, didn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll let you run through all that then. Cool. So I'll, I'll and, jump to you guys during for each team and see what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I started. Well, yeah. Um, I'll start with AC Milan then, since that's our first game. So we've got an all-time, uh, we've played them uh, 11 times and our all-time record is, and I was surprised by this, is one win, four draws and six losses. So we've only ever beat them once. And uh, if you remember, that was a last-minute goal. I don't know if you want to you want to do that as a trivia question, the players that have scored against AC Milan. Or do you want me to mention it? Yeah, just go for it, Sean. You just run this whole section. Okay, well, so I'll put it out then as a trivia question for people. Uh, can you name, without looking it up, uh, the three Celtic players who have scored goals against AC Milan in the past? Uh, all relatively recent, so nothing back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, nothing like that. So uh, this last season, uh, AC Milan finished sixth in Serie A, which got them into the Europa League. They were 12 points off of the Champions League places, so not, not really close. Uh, the year before, they finished fifth, which would have took them into the Europa League, but they were banned from Europe due to financial fair play violations. So that's why their coefficient put them in pot three, and that's how we ended up drawing them. Uh, some of our notable players at the moment, uh, 38-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who was only two days ago recovered from COVID. Uh, one of the highest-rated goalkeepers in Europe, the young uh, Donnarumma in goals. Well, researching this, I also learned that his brother is also a reserve goalkeeper. Uh, Brahim Diaz, uh, on loan from Real Madrid, uh, who used to play for Man City. Their captain and defence, Romagnoli. And their top scorer from last season was Ante Rebic. Uh, So we're playing them at home in game one and away in game five. Uh, Anthony, any thoughts on how we'll do or how you feel about AC Milan? Well, it's always going to be hard. Um, they're a very, very prestigious club. Um, and, you know, they're sitting top of the Serie A after, I think it's three games. Um, they haven't conceded many goals, typical Italian team. Um, great keeper, quality all over the park. Um, but, you know, I fancy our chances at home. I, I fancy our chances at home against pretty much anyone within that group. 
Um, but it's when we go away, we tend to concede goals very early. But, you know, at home, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy with any win. And um, away, I'd just be happy with a clean sheet if we could get it. But, you know, if you look at the group we got, if, if you look at that group and got that in the Champions League group, not the Europa, but in the Champions League, just so we had that in the Champions League, Sparta Prague, AC Milan and Lille, you'd say that's a strong, strong group in the Champions League. We got this in the Europa, so we've really got it up against us. But to answer your question, um, against AC Milan, it's going to be very hard, very hard to break them down. But like I said, very confident of taking something away from them at home. Yeah, I just, just had a quick look through their recent results and they're undefeated in 19 games, not including friendlies. So, yeah, there's that. And they don't concede. They're not conceding many goals. No. And they beat Juventus. Yeah. Last season as well, in July, they beat Juventus in July, 4-2. So, yeah. It's a concern. It's pretty much the shittest team we could have got in pot three. Liam, thoughts? Um, right, couple of things. First of all, Italian teams generally don't take the Europa League that seriously. Sure, sorry. So, you know, obviously it's a fantastic team with absolute world class in it, but there's always the chance that all of those superstars might not play when they play us. Um, although, if we get a result against them in that first game, I could see them coming at us with a full strength team in Milan, just to prove a point. Um, I think that we always seem to do better in Europe when we're expected to be on a hiding to nothing. And this is a game which, the two games rather, which most people are not expecting us to get much from. So like you, I think at home, we can we can beat them. And away, well, we beat Lazio last year, who I think are a better team than Milan at the moment. So if we can beat Lazio in Italy... We can beat Milan in Italy. That's a really good point. Yeah. Got it. Any thoughts? Yeah, I agree with what most of you guys are saying there. It's going to, like, this is a Champions League quality team um, on the name value of it alone. Ibrahimovic at 38, he's still a quality player. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a interesting game. Uh, looks like it could potentially be our last trip to the San Siro as well, considering it's going to be knocked down soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pity there's not going to be fans available to go to the game by the looks of things. But, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think it's winnable. And, yeah, we beat Lazio last year, who are a better squad. So, yeah, it will be an interesting matchup. I think the one thing is Lennon is pragmatic when it comes to playing in Europe. He will set his teams up defensively and look to play on the counter if need be. So we do have a good European quality manager there in, in that regard. Yep. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think not having fans doesn't help, but yeah. You're right. I actually just checked the, the qualifiers, Liam, and they, they did have their best players on the benches, coming off the bench for those games. Mm-hmm. So looking at the next team in game two, we're away to Lille, who we have never played before, which is interesting, not even in a friendly. Uh, last year, they finished fourth in Ligue 1, which uh, should really put them in the Champions League spots by... Uh, no, sorry, it's one outside it. They're one point off the Champions League spots, so 
very close to being a Champions League team by one point. The year before, in 2019, they did finish in the Champions League spots when they were second in the league behind PSG. And last year, they played in the Champions League and they were drawn in the group of death against Chelsea, Ajax and Valencia. And they only managed to take one point from that. Overall, pretty ridiculous performances for a fourth seed team in the Europa League. Uh, in terms of their standout players, they just spent 30 million euros on Jonathan David, the Canadian striker. They've got former Celtic player Timo Weah, who they paid a fair amount of money for as well. Uh, Renato Sanchez, who was a big money transfer to Bayern Munich a few years ago, Portuguese player. Jose Font is the captain, formerly of Southampton, and their top scorer from last season was Jonathan Bamba. Uh, looking at the start we've had to this season, Six games, undefeated, four wins, two draws. So, again, pretty much as shit as you can get from pot four. Thoughts, guys? Yeah, it's a, um, going to be an interesting one. I was kind of hoping Morelos ended up there because at least we know they're, score- they're not going to score against us. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, Jonathan David, the quality player. As you mentioned, a few others there that are good as well. I didn't know Renato Sanchez was there, so... Yeah, they've got some talent there. The question is, how serious are they going to take the Europa League? Are they going to have a fair income crack at trying to win their league or qualify for the Champions League direct from their league instead? Or are they going to have a crack at the um, at the Europa League and try and go as far as they can in it? Um, they've got a decent manager, Christophe Gaultier. And um, yeah, should be interesting. I think it'll be a clash of styles. The way Lenny will... Pragmatic, as I mentioned earlier, set us up against them and the way they'll want to play. But we don't fear any French teams. We've played against them for years now in Europe. And as if we did play the way we played against, what was it last year? Against, um, fuck, got a mental break. against Ren, that's right. If we play the way we did against them, we'll smash them. Yeah, did that draw 1-1 with Ren? So that's maybe something to cling on to. Anthony, any thoughts on Leo? Yeah, um, I remember that Champions League group that they got last year, where they had you know they had um, Ajax, Valencia, and Chelsea, and um, that, that was that was the group of death. Um, they're they're a high valued team. They've got some really really good, exciting young players that have been proven in other leagues within that squad. And um, they're very, very dangerous from what I've seen. And I've watched them once this season um, in highlights up and down the wings. Um, it's going to be a very, very hard game at home. Yeah, for sure. We do okay against the French teams. It's just, you know, my, my focus is and worry is when we go away. But, you know, out of all the teams in this group, I think that little probably the one that we match up best against. And that could be due to the fact that also we have a few French players within our ranks. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't think of that. That should make a difference, right? It should because we our guys are used to playing that style of football and against, and they can understand what they're saying when playing. So it make, makes sense. But, yeah, I agree. I think... Um, Lille will be the better matchup. Sparta Prague's actually got banana skin written all over it to me, but we'll discuss that when we get to it. Yes, so on to Sparta Prague, who were the second seed team that we drew. Um, 
So when I glanced at the, the squad list, there wasn't anything that jumped out at me uh, as recognisable names. Uh, but in terms of past record, we've only played them once before. Uh, that was uh, we beat them one 0 on a friendly. Dembele scored the only goal. Uh, last year, the last two years, they finished third place pretty unspectacularly in the Czech League. Uh, 25 points off the top last year and 16 points off the Champions League spots. Uh, they were knocked out of, uh, last year, knocked out of Europa League in the first qualifier by Trabzonspor. So they didn't even make any kind of progress last year in Europe. So over the last two years, the record's been pretty unspectacular. Um, but then when I started looking at it a bit deeper, uh, doesn't look as bright. They've won their first five domestic games this year, five out of five. Uh, tried to look at some of the players individually, and as a measure of pedigree, I looked at how many caps they had in their squad, 196 in total uh, before this international break. So not a lot, considering we were bringing 140 off the bench against St. Johnson. Uh, their standout players, their captain, uh, Dokal, uh, the attacking mid. He has 40 caps for the Czech Republic, but he's 32 now. Uh, they've got Kretschy, I don't know how you say that, left winger, who was a free transfer from Bologna, 41 caps for Czech Republic. Uh, David Hanko, centre-back on loan from Fiorentina, who's Slovakian. So they are the three outstanding established players, Dokal, Kretschy and Hanko. And the one that intrigued me most uh, was Adam Hozek, who is an 18-year-old valued at nine million on transfermarket.com. So I went on transfermarket.com to see what the value of their squad was, and they had one player who was valued way above the rest, and that's this 18-year-old who just came into the squad really last year, and he's apparently banging in goals and assists for fun, like four goals, five assists, and six appearances uh, last year, or something like that. So he's apparently quite the prospect. Uh, and I can see us, it's not unusual for Celtic to be on the receiving end of emerging talent. And I could see this happening with the Sparta Prague team. Hmm. Yeah, so that's why I mentioned about it being a banana skin of a game. It's when you look at a game on paper, it looks like we should beat them quite comfortably with the talent we've got compared to them and the experience we've got compared to them. But Celtic away in Europe, in particular in game four, if that could be an old-fashioned six-pointer, basically, that game, because say if we drop points to Milan in the first game but then beat Lille away and then we beat Sparta Prague at home and then we go there, if we pick up that win, that could be enough to get through the group stages. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting matchup, matchup of games. I've got an interesting fact on uh, Sparta Prague for mm-hmm. the people over in Scotland. The club Airdrie only played one game in Europe in their career, in the club's history, and it was against Sparta Prague mm. in 1990, 1992. So that's, a weird, that's the weird fact I found while uh, reading through all this. <laughs> How did they even get into Europe? They got beaten no. in the cup final by the Huns, so they qualified for the Scottish Cup place because the Huns won the league that year. Ah. There, there you go. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know much about Sparta Prague because I don't, but it is a 
game that you know we could take or, or a tie that we could take some points from. But what I do know about Sparta Prague is their boss, Vaclav Kotl, um, is a tool um, and labelling Celtic a weak club. Um, I think those comments will rev us on and will give us something to play for. And the comments made by the manager, the gaffer, um, are totally disrespectful. So I wouldn't complain if he got bit on a dick by a snake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw those comments as well. And uh, it's not not the smartest thing to do when you're playing against a team like Celtic. Um, I just hope we learn a lesson from what happened against Cluj because I think Sparta Prague are a very similar team to Cluj. In terms of how they approach the game and how we have to approach them. Yeah, I agree with that, William. I agree yeah. with that. As long as we don't see Kelmack at left back, we should be okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all I have to say as well with this whole group is if this was any other year and there was crowds were allowed to travel all across Europe and there wasn't COVID and everything, what a group for an away trip for a Celtic <laughs> supporter. You go to Prague, you go to Milan, you go to Lille. I mean, how good would that be? Yeah. yeah Paul the Tim must be spewing. Oh, yeah, exactly. I and the thing is, there are all flights you can do for probably about 100 or 200 quid. From yeah, Prague. easy. Yeah, right. easy. Right. Yeah, yeah, so it's affordable and great places to go. And, yeah, COVID, bloody Rona's wrecked it again. That was a funny thing about the COVID thing, though. Looking in the newspapers, it was quite funny to see Celtic and positive in the same sentence for once, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, so anyone else got anything they want to add about the um, Europa League draw coming up to it? I, or... I think it's going to be weird having the games back-to-back. Like, it's in two blocks of three weeks. So it's yeah. way... So it's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday for three weeks and then there's two weeks off and then Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. I think that's going to be a bit of a weird one to get their head, the players to shift mentality between games because there's a different mentality domestically in Europe. And I can see that being a problem. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting uh, run of games coming up for the club as well when you look at it. Scottish Cup as well in two weeks. Yeah. If you look at our upcoming matches, it's a crazy fixture list that we've got. Like we've got Rangers on the weekend, and then we've got I've got it in front of me, Rangers. Then we've got Milan on <laughs> midweek on the twenty second. Then on the twenty fifth, we've got Aberdeen in the league. No, that's then we've uh, got. Is it? Was it? I thought it was cup first. Nah, I'm looking at the thing. So it's league first. Then it's Lille in the Europa League away. Then it's Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup on the ah, okay. on the first. November and Sparta Prague away, then Motherwell, then Hibs, then Sparta Prague again, and then Milan. So basically, get through to the tenth of, say the tenth of December. That's our run of games. We've got crazy good, crazy challenging run there. Ten, I think it's like, what is it? One, two, three, eleven, twelve, twelve hard games compared to what we've had so far. But, yeah, I think that's actually going to be good for us because, you know, you've got a settled team, get into the swing of things, 
get our get back into quality football and launching pad for the season. Yeah, there's four away games in a row. Motherwell, Hibs, Sparta, Prague and Milan. All in a row. There is yeah. a games. Yeah. <laughs> I always say look at LA way though. If we win all those games, that's the that's a perfect springboard to set up your entire season, isn't it? Exactly. Especially when if you get through all of them, as you just said, and then you've got Killy, Livingston, Ross County, Hamilton, Dundee United to finish December. You get through all you get through all those games there when we played Lille, those twelve games. Then you've got another five games to come in December. If you can get through all of that and as you said, use it as a springboard, for the second of January we'll be playing Rangers at Ibrox and off we go. So yeah, it's looking looking positive. Yep, and with this, with this. swing roundabout. So while we are playing Kelly and Levy, they'll be playing like Aberdeen and Hibs again, you know? Exactly. So And yeah, with the squad we've got at our disposal, we've got a very, very deep squad. I think we're better prepared than the Huns um, to deal with all the games that are coming up, especially between now um and the end of the year. We you know, our Scottish commitments as well as what we've got going in Europe. So I'm quite really confident that we'll be there or thereabouts in regards to points tally, and um, hopefully before the end of the year we'll have a few, a, a, you know, a break of a few games on them because we've got to remember we still have one game left in hand. Yeah, exactly. So it's promising. So onwards and upwards. Let's get the win on the weekend, and off we go. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Celtic Down Under podcast. Look forward to uh, discussing the reaction to the Glasgow Derby against Rangers on next week's podcast. How, how? Hello. Hello.